Welcome to the Corporate Counsel Business Journal's daily podcast, In-House Warrior, with host Richard Levick, Chairman of Levick, a global crisis and litigation communications firm. Good day, and welcome to In-House Warrior, the daily podcast of the Corporate Counsel Business Journal. I'm Richard Levick, and with me today, Ian Lipner, who is the Senior Vice President and Chair of the Practices at Levick on Cyber and Emerging Companies, and Louis Leo, who is a partner at Foley and Lardner and a consummate deal uh, lawyer in Silicon Valley. And if the two of them are joining me, of course, it's time for our weekly show, Garage to Global Gentlemen, great to have you as always. Thank you, Richard. And you can see how shy both of them are. They, they've just realized this is audio only, not video only. So the, those those signals to me of waving will no longer work on the on the podcast. And with us today, Andy Butler, who has an extraordinary story. He's a consummate uh, entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, sits on a number of boards. And then the reason he's here today is to talk about his latest venture, which comes from the heart and from the family, Square Panda. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Um, we know you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We know you just got back from vacation. We will not make any of our listeners jealous by telling them where you were, but do share with us your background, if you would. Yeah, so yeah. I've been a serial entrepreneur most of my life. Um, I did a brief stint after graduating from college at uh, a company called Bechtel, a large construction company, and I joined them for two years as a software programmer doing C++ programming. But the moment I walked into Bechtel, and it's no criticism of Bechtel, it's a large corporation, I realized that I was not a big company kind of guy. And so shortly thereafter, after two years, I formed my my first company. Um, it was a company called smart tools and we did a series of electronic measuring devices got it funded and then sold it off in about four years learned a lot from that experience um you know mainly i learned you know that you know market size and tam total available market is one of the most important things you need to understand before you launch a venture which as a first-time entrepreneur i didn't really understand that so the company was not as successful as I had envisioned it to be because the market wasn't big enough to support high growth, the kind of growth that Silicon Valley um, is usually expecting from a, from a venture. Um, from that experience, I started a, a product development company called D2M, Designed to Matter, um, Inc. And, and that was, we were sort of an unusual product design group in that we were not your typical consultants. We looked for startup companies and we looked to play equity roles and, and board roles with those companies. Sort of the first, we were kind of before Y Combinator, we were one of the first incubators. So we incubated a bunch of companies internally and took active roles or passive roles, did most of our services for equity and had a variety of different, uh, very successful exits out of it. Um, so, you know, from that experience, um, I, I, took a, I took a kind of a, a, a right turn in my career. I like to call it a right turn. Some might call it a left turn. But in 2014, I started an ed tech company called Square Panda. Um, and Square Panda 
is dedicated to the earliest learners and the development of the most important skill they can develop, which is reading competency or reading fluency. And that was born out of my experience, my prior experience with my daughter, who's a beautiful little adopted girl from China and was, when she entered first grade, she went from being this gregarious, happy to go to school kind of gal um, to suddenly resisting and throwing temper tantrums. And uh, we did a variety of different tests on her and found out she was dyslexic. And that, that started my journey on understanding what it meant, what it means to be um, dyslexic. To me, dyslexia was, was something that had to do with alphabetic awareness and an inability to recognize you know, the alphabet. And what I soon learned um, was that it's vastly different than that and it's much more complicated so without getting into those details that's that's sort of my journey we've been at square panda now we launched the company in 2014 in stealth mode um, bootstrapped it all the way till we launched in 2017 into the marketplace primarily in the u.s um, and you know in, and then raised capital mostly from high net worth individuals and between 2017 to currently, we've expanded to across the United States. We're in two, over 2,000 public schools um, with a subscription model early literacy platform. And in China and in India, we have some of our largest operations, and we're a second English as a second language provider, um, servicing you know, um, millions of children in, in India and also with a teacher training program. So that's and, a quick snapshot of my journey. Andy, before I turn it over to Louie and uh, Ian for a few questions here, talk to us about the moment when you went from emotional realization as father to realizing that there was an entrepreneurial, there was a need and an entrepreneurial opportunity. Yeah, so I'm fortunate in that I have a wife who's a professor of medicine at Stanford. And so when we encountered, you know, the the facts that our daughter was dyslexic, you know, the first thing she did is pick up a phone and, and call up uh, colleagues over in the education department. And a, a whole revelation world opened up to us. We we realized that the leading academic institutions that, that study education and, and pedagogy are now populated by neuroscientists, cognitive scientists, who look at the neurology of learning, how the brain actually rewires itself to acquire skills. In this case, the skill of reading is a peculiar skill that we never evolved to, to perfect. You know, when you think about what differentiates humans from the animal kingdom, it's our ability to communicate as a society, to gang up and communicate and organize ourselves to attack the saber-toothed tiger and collectively, because individually we can't, we, can't, we can't achieve, be successful at that. So we have very advanced oral skills, oral communication skills, but the idea of writing down those processes and techniques and skills and recording them from history that's only been around on a ubiquitous basis for the last 500 years. Writing was discovered, cuneiform writing was discovered 5,000 years ago. Not enough time for evolution to play a role in 
making that skill an ingrained part of our DNA. So, you know, what the people over at Stanford told us was that, you know, a shocking statistic. They said, look, you know, dyslexia is just a severe form of a phenomena that's impacting two thirds of all kids because two thirds of all kids in the United States do not read fluently by the fourth grade. And if they don't read fluently by the fourth grade, they fall so far behind the one third that are reading fluently that they rarely catch up because the, that one third is absorbing content in all other subjects at a much more rapid rate. And so if your parents aren't affluent and can't afford interventions like and private schooling, like I could, my wife and I could, you, your fate is essentially set in fourth grade if you don't read fluently. So first of all, I just went, how could that possibly be as a society? How can, how can we tolerate that? I mean, just from an equity standpoint, that's, that's obscene. Um, secondarily, from an economic standpoint, looking forward, I mean, we're an information-based economy becoming even more so in the next coming decades. How can we tolerate that as, a, as an economic social policy? So, you know, so diving after the outrage, you know, um, I dive deeper and what Stanford recommended and what most of the centers recommended was, look, you know, the way to overcome this is intensive tutoring and which we could afford. And what effective intensive tutoring is, is you're taking a person who is a domain expert in one particular topic. A tutor who covers every subject is, you know, is okay, but the most effective tutor is one that's assigned to a specific skill set. In this case, um, letters, phon phonological awareness, letter sound decoding, phonemic awareness, et cetera, somebody who's been trained in all those skills. And then that person has sufficient experience that effectively as they're tutoring a child, they are doing real-time assessment on that child. They're measuring against a complex array of different skills that are required to read fluently, phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, letter sound decoding, um, sight word reading, memorization of, of auditory, you know, comparisons, et cetera. Um, they're doing real-time assessment on that child and adjusting the curriculum on a real-time basis. And that's what a high price, very educated early literacy tutor will do for your child. And by the way, my child's now 17. She's no longer a child. She reads a book a week, albeit she's dyslexic. So she reads about 20% slower than her peers, but she just works longer 20% of the time and she does just fine. But stepping back as a technologist, and I've always played the theme kind of in my background is I've always looked at conventional marketplaces that had pain points that were not being addressed, that had needs, market consumer needs that were not being addressed, primarily because the conventional companies didn't understand the breadth of technology and how it could be applied to that pain point. Um, and so this was like kind of a perfect dovetail to my past experience. I looked at it and I said, oh my God, what a tutor does will never get, will never get one-to-one -one efficacy with a a tutor who has a PhD in early literacy and cognitive scientists in co cognitive science who then tutors my child. Never get there, but we can get pretty damn close and it can be infinitely scalable and very, very cost affordable 
because guess what? This was 2014. Cloud storage.